Welcome to Turtle Tracks Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Van Hooker, and I'm here with uh, Chuck Patton, the Senior Supervising Director of the 2003 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series. How are you doing today, Chuck? I am doing awesome. Thank you. I am so excited to have you because I don't get nearly enough people from the 2003 show to talk to. So I'm, I'm, I just did a refresher. I'm very excited to talk about that stuff. So. Oh, awesome. Great. Can I ask who have you talked to? I mean, maybe some sure. people I can put you in talk, contact with. Yeah, I, uh, as far as from 03, I've spoken to Roy Burdine, and okay. we covered uh, pretty much where you left off, I believe, right. Uh, right. up until the end of the series. Uh, right. I'm about to talk to a guy named Emilio Lopez, who was like a background artist. Um, right. I spoke to uh, Scott Williams, who was Baxter Stockman on your show. Right. And, uh, he, was he was hilarious. A writer <laughs> named... Uh, uh, um, Gavin Hignight, who wrote a couple episodes. But I want to talk to Mike Ryan, who wrote, like, I guess, what, 2,000 episodes of that show? Yeah, those are hard to do. I, I would say try to get a hold of Lloyd. Oh, sure, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, I have his number somewhere, and we were, um, I think we were Facebook friends for a while. I don't know if he's on. He's not on Facebook as much as I am. So, but Lloyd will be a good one. And, and also a very important person for me, at least, would be Adrian Barrios. Oh, cool. Good to know. Like, I, I like to, you know, at least shout out those people too and say like, who, yeah, yeah, yeah. who did the work okay. on the show? What, what was Adrian's uh, position? I, Adrian was my chief character designer after uh, my original chief character designer couldn't do the show. Um, okay. And uh, Adrian was brought in by, um, um, let's see, I have a, a really wonderful history with him. His dad and I worked together. His dad oh, wow. is Francis Barrios, and he's one of the most amazing artists I've ever worked with. And um, I wanted Francis on the show, and Francis did the old, I can't, I'm busy, which was true. But I will. I always love these things. I'll, I will send you someone better than I. I'm like, well, who, who the hell is that? Because, I mean, there's very, I have, a, I have a rather large pantheon of people I put above me, and Francis is definitely up there. But I'm like, all right, if Francis is recommending, who is this guy? And he says, my son. And I'm like, oh, get out. <laughs> you know? Come on. And um, also, um, oh, geez. And, I, and his name, I have his face in my head. And I can't think of his name, who was also on the show for a while. Um, no friend. Sorry, this is early morning for me. And I have not had no, enough. No and I should have done my homework and just put all the names up. But um, there was an artist who was working as my supervising. Uh, he was uh, not supervising. He was a uh, storyboard supervisor and uh again he wasn't able to stay on the show but he was intending to bring adrian on adrian was very young it was one it, this was like one of his first gigs and so he recommended him so between francis and this other artist uh filipino artist cannot think of his name why can't i think of his name i have to go through the alphabet in my head um and his face is right in my mind <laughs> so anyway um so we brought Adrian on to back up my original artist, who's AJ Jaffe Kumar. AJ and I have worked on many, many other shows, and um, I had used him. Um, actually, this was like our second time working together. And it was very difficult because I was doing this show from New York, which by itself is a whole legacy. <laughs> that would take hours to explain. I'll try to shorten that. But I was doing this show in, in New York instead of L.A., which would have made our lives a lot easier, a lot easier. Um, unfortunately, that wasn't to be. And so we had, I had to go to New York. So I was really 
stuck with trying to find artists who can do the show. And it wasn't because the talent wasn't there. It's honestly for kids had basically burnt out everybody who wanted to work on the show with their demands and the way things were ran in New York, there was no union. So they were all over the place with prices and all over the place with promises, but no real um, set dates. And a lot of these people needed to work. So when I was brought in, there was not, I mean, I had a, I, I tell this story that's very true. It's like an eight foot long table with artwork literally piled on top of it. That was how organized or disorganized they were. And this was after easily a year of them doing development and no one to really bring it together. They had people, they just weren't experienced in putting it together a TV show. And um, some of them have been working on features. And again, it's like, you know, I've had this disconnect with features in the past where they would come in, people who worked on features and think, well, we can put a show together this way. And the difference is not only money, but time. Mm. We don't have the grandiosity of time that you are afforded on features to do development. You have to basically, all the shows I ever worked on are development on the fly. So if I had any luck at any kind of time to put a show together, I had the, maybe the benefit of a month, you know, oh. maybe six weeks, maybe eight weeks, um, if you're lucky. And um, but generally, once you jump, once the show has been okay, you're basically creating it on the fly. Feature guys get like a year to do some concept drawings and this and that. And it's like that's what they were trying to do on Turtles, and that just was not the mandate. That was not going to happen to make our date. And we had already lost easily a year's worth of work that we could have uh, put back into the show which eventually came back and bit, bit the production in the butt, but that's another story. Well, let me ask you, speaking of the art, I mean, it's a little bit out of yeah. order, right? But uh, the, Yeah, it is. Odd. I'm sorry, I kind of wandered. Uh, I'm, I'm saying, like, for my, for my uh, sake, but, like, I, I, the, um, you know, the show is heavily informed by the Mirage comics, yet the art is something totally on its own. So one of the questions I had for you was, where was that, the look of these turtles found? Um, again, it was me coming in, after talking to Lloyd, Lloyd and I uh, had marathon speak uh, when I was still in L.A. being uh, vetted for the to take over the production. Lloyd and I have these long talks. I was already I was already <laughs> I guess I was already on this slate of who to pick. And uh, I was recommended by another studio head who knew someone in New York and they were desperate to get someone. And so I was literally I literally had a job interview at like over at, well, say after midnight. And um, up to like two in the morning. And then after that, um, got to meet Lloyd. And then Lloyd and I were just talking. And he was telling me all the problems he was having. But, you know, it's, just, it's not like we don't have something. We just need someone to come in and say, okay, this works, let's go. Mm -hmm. And I was shocked that they didn't. So, and I was telling him what I liked and what he told me what he liked. And he was telling me what Peter liked, because that was very important to make sure Peter was happy. Because Peter was now the sole uh, owner, um, creative, um, that's a nice word to put it, creative daimyo of the show. So whatever <laughs> sure. he wanted, that's what's going to be done. And I knew that the original mandate was to make the comic book come to life. And yep. then did not know that Warner Brothers had had the work before, before us. This is why it wound up going back to New York for kids had actually contracted Warner Brothers and had a director whose name I won't admit, I remember his name, but I won't say it. And uh, they did a test reel. They did, a, um, I think they, it was mostly an animatic, storyboard animatic based off of um, 
the storyboard. And so it moves, but not, you know, it's not fully animated. And as much as they tried to draw it like the show, it was honestly very, not to be overcritical, but it was very boring and very flat. And it wasn't as dynamic as I knew we should go because I was aware of Turtles, very aware of Turtles. Uh, being having worked in comics, that made one big plus. I knew all about them. We all did. And in animation, um, my company at the time when I was in um, producing just sort and directing there, uh, worked for a company called Deke, who had an opportunity of buying turtles and actually passed on it. <laughs> and oh, that's wow. how Fred Wolf got it, <laughs> which to, to the owner of Deke to that yeah. day burned him in the butt because I kept telling him, this is kind of hot and maybe goofy to you. But kids are really paying attention, and it's a fun idea, and it's crazy. Because, again, I knew the comic book work, and the owner of Deke was not – he was sharp on how to buy things, not sharp on picking ideas. And he clearly was telling me, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And he goes, that's what sells, stupid sells. And if the kids think it's cool and stupid, they'll buy it. He didn't listen to me. Fred Wolf got it, made a, <laughs> made a huge dynasty. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I was at Deke trying to find the next turtles. That was one of my mandates given to me. So it was kind of ironic that I wound up getting turtles. So go back to your question, the look. Honestly, so it's not as much as, I mean, as much as I admired what the original comic was like, I knew it wasn't animationable at the time. Um, And again, this is the thing we all have to take consideration. Where Turtles is now is light years from where in animation, what we can were capable of doing back in 2003. And so we had to really understand that as well as no, again, I knew that I wanted this to move. I wanted it to really feel alive. It's got to pay attention to the comic book roots and also be something exciting. Anime was a big deal and um, was coming up and always been a big influence on a lot of us. And I wanted it to have to reflect that we still had problems of how much violence could we show we were told we can be action oriented and we could have fights but we knew we couldn't do what they do in anime and and we knew what turtles was doing was doing a lot of what anime was doing which was kill guys motherfuckers are getting killed left and right so i had to slip that in there because that's one of my catchphrases (laughs) motherfuckers are killed left and right so we i wanted the illusion of that and that's the thing lloyd and i came up with kind of a partnership of how far can we push this bubble without us busting it and getting away with what we knew would drive turtle uh, people who love turtles would get excited knowing, Oh my God, you know, yeah. Donnie got to hit somebody. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. yeah. This guy. That was all new. Yeah. <laughs> if we don't kill him, he certainly put him down. That's what we, we, we yeah. put him down. You know, don't call it kill him. We put him down. So we wanted that. And like I said, what I saw in Warner brothers with them playing, it's like they had an edgy attempt. Uh, the attempt to put in shadows was there, but that was it. Storytelling, pacing, compositions were all kind of dull and very simple. Those Warner Brothers pilot, like, so I've seen some of the Warner Brothers stuff and fans have seen it. Right. Was it a CG cartoon or a 2D cartoon? Because I've seen oh, 2D, 2D animatics. I'm sorry? It was 2D. It was 2D. Because there's also a couple of 3D things from around 01 that are like storied things. Like yeah. Studios did yeah. a 3D pilot, and there was another 3D thing that looked kind of more like the Mirage comics. Yeah, but the, the WB thing—I I know what the one you're talking about. It was 
like predates it. I think it was by two years or so. And I, yeah. I, I know the artwork you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, the thing, <clears throat> the thing people don't understand too is that you not only have to know enough of animation, how far to push, mm. <clears throat> but you also have to change the game of storytelling which is a big deal. If I have to say, I have to brag, is that one of the things I've been grateful for is I got to do those things that helped me get there. So that um, when I say cinematic, I really mean cinematic, meaning, okay, when I, when I say cinematic, I mean, approach it like a movie. Um, when you see the storytelling isn't left and right. I, I, I used to pick on Scooby-Doo because Scooby-Doo is classic left and right animation. Scooby-Doo walks in from the left, leads from the right. Never comes towards camera, never since a three-quarter three or depth. Um, that's Scooby-Doo. That's okay. Sure. But most action-adventure shows, um, well, Warner Brothers Batman did that. Um, they, got, they, they did it cinematically, sure. which is where the kickoff came. That's where a lot of us went, oh, geez, you know, the shackles are coming off. We can do that. And that's what I wanted. First and foremost, we needed to bring that into Turtles. So it wasn't like Warner Bros. wasn't comp wasn't competent. It's just honestly, who wherever was spearheading it, they were. I think they saw Turtles, heard Turtles, and they immediately went to Fred Wolf's Turtles. Sure, yeah. And I knew right off in the bat. In fact, Lloyd and I made a pact that what we would do, we won't, we won't denigrate it, but we would definitely keep reminding everybody, we ain't your, we ain't your Fred Wolf's Turtles. This sure. is a new Turtles. This is an edge of Turtles. This is Turtles closer to the comic, the way. Imagine if that never existed, or if it did, we even had on the show where Rap would, would, would Don, not Don, Mikey would start to say Kawabunga, and, and yeah. Ralph would pop him on the back of the head and goes, we don't do that stuff, you know, which yeah. I loved. I loved that. That was great. That was, that was our reminder again that, no, this is a whole different gig, you know. Yeah, all that other stuff is fun, but this is a whole different. This is this is this is the dark dimension version. Yeah. You know? So anyway, um, so, so were those turtles designed by you? Those those. Yes. Like, oh, cool. Because I was wondering, did it have a Batman the Animated Series influence to it? Because it seems like it was. To um, well, again, you can't. I don't think you can do anything action adventure without having that feeling. Sure. And, and I have a good friend who uh, I worked with uh, who brought me in on Spawn, who was one of the original Batman directors and i remember having this long talk with him before i took this because this was a big jump for me as well uh again i wasn't going to have the the uh, support i would have of knowing all the la artists at my fingertips i was going to be out you know three thousand miles away so i really wasn't sure of the creative people i'm going to have with me to support mm -hmm. so i got to talk with my friend about where how to approach it because he was used to I mean, he was in charge of Marvel movies and um, uh, and he was telling me things that he got from Bruce Tim and working with um, on Batman that I took to heart as lessons to bring into Turtles. One was that whole approach about cinematics, um, treating it as uh, even when it got goofy, try to try to diminish the goofiness whenever possible. Sure. Create our own goofiness, but just get away from a lot of yuck, yuck shit. And that was the most important thing, try to get a real feeling of theme, of dark theme. Um, people don't realize how important that is. You've got to have that in the mindset. So that approached the art too. So I didn't look at Batman as much. I will tell you what I did look at. Sure. Um, the turtle, the live action turtle movie, it came out long before that. I think a couple of years before that. Um, I think the original Turtles movies was 2000. Um, 
This uh, is 1990 it. was the first one. Oh, okay, good. Thank you. 1990. I sure. always love that movie. That movie, that's what actually, I mean, to be totally honest, that's brought me love. That brought turtle love for me. I wasn't crazy about the cartoons, I, the comic. I knew where it came from. I respected it. wasn't a fan, hmm. um, which is tough. To, not tough to say now, but that was part of the joy of being a professional. I may not have been a fan, but I respected it. Sure. And I got past the stuff I didn't like and looked for the stuff I liked. And that live action movie had everything I liked. I really enjoyed it. I loved the approach of it. The thing that struck me most that I'd never got from the comics, and I know it's there, not to knock the comic guys, because I was looking at a lot of this stuff. I like the later stuff, not the pure Peter and um, um, Kevin stuff. Um, uh, and I really I really admired what I saw of Kevin. Unfortunately, he wasn't on the show. I, I always felt like God, I really wish we had gotten his input, but we didn't. So um, anyway, um, I must be a weird day because I'm feeling surly and I'm trying not to be surly. <laughs> I'm trying not to get dirt. <laughs> But, did, you ever, did you ever deal directly with Peter or is that more Lloyd's job? That was more Lloyd's, but we did have one face-to-face -face that was, mm, say, thankfully short. So okay. that was good. Um, it was, he brought his team in and I was like, okay, I'm glad you brought your team in. And it, I, I, it was a friendly gesture, but also felt like... I, the guys later were joking, like, you know, it felt like the Jets meet the Sharks. And I went, yeah, it's kind of funny because, you know, if that was the Jets, then I think the Sharks had more teeth. But still, um, but on the long run, it was like we stayed respectful. I guess what it was was that I felt uh, again, and it was really my choice, too. I felt that for what I needed to do, the input I got from him wasn't going to help get the animation done. Okay as much as he wanted to believe he could. Um, a lot of the things was taking what he, he would come up with and make it work. And that was my job and I was cool with that. But sure. what I did want him to do was get into his head that he was, and I think he caught it too, that, you know, well, that cut should have been longer, that kind of thing. It's like, well, I've been at this a little longer than you. So sure, I yeah, the arguments Absolutely. and discussions of that. Yeah. So that's why I thought, Lloyd, you get to deal with that. And I would take whatever notes and work whatever notes. And I, I mean, I, I, think, I think if there was, I just knew that right off, we just weren't going to have a, a love connection. I don't say hate, but it's just that, you know, it was just good to have a little distance. I imagine and, it was, I mean, like, because I, I mean, I think the general perception is that the 87 show kind of got away from them. Right. And so I, yeah, think, that, I imagine it, it, it was not making that mistake again. And yes. perhaps on your end, that's kind of tough to be a little bit, let's say, micromanaged or whatever it was. But like, yeah. I imagine it's tougher because. I think the 87 show very much turned into something they didn't want to be, right? You know, I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot. You know what? I think that defensiveness, and now that's the word, I think that defensiveness in this part was very warranted because I wasn't oh, a fan sure. of, the, of the 87 Look, look at all the dumb shit I have, right? Yeah, like, and, some of that, and some of that shit was hilarious. I mean, honestly, yeah. Lloyd Knight, we, we would be in his office shortly and like, how can we get the terror drone in? Because I knew I can do an awesome, badass job with it. But that was the nice synergy I had with him was sure. that we worked it out and realized, well, it would distract instead of pro 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 propel the story. And sure. that's what I loved. Everything we did was avoid the distraction, avoid the fan play, and really make it so integral that it really propelled the story. And to give Creed, uh, and to really give ma massive pluses to, um, to Peter, that was his feeling too. 
And so that much, I, mean, I knew we were on the same page. I mean, Roy was saying, I, I know you guys are getting on. It's just that I know that you both need to keep your distances. And I think that that, that really did have a lot to do with it, that he had a justified um, caution working with Hollywood, you know, because he's seen what they did. And here he's yep. like, I don't want to have this again. This is one of the major reasons why I was brought to New York instead of um, moving the show to L.A. I really wanted to keep it in L.A. Um, again, I knew that the talent pool would have been endless. I mean, I would have been easily easily able to bring on people who could do what I was looking for. And I had to literally go to New York and train them on, wow. the, on the run. So I was like, OK, here we go again. But I had done that and done that and done that. Well, enough now that it was like, OK, it's easy peasy. It's draining. But. Now, going back to your question about the art, AJ and I, um, like I said, I've worked with AJ on other shows. And when we talked uh, with him, there's a synergy I have with him. AJ, AJ reminds me of a lot of ways what I said in comics where you try to find someone, when you're working pencil and inker, you find someone who not only just compliment you, but bring out your best you. And that you wind up both creating something that becomes a synergy. So that's how I have, I have a synergy with him. So I knew what I wanted to do in Turtles. And like I said, we loved the movie. Lloyd and I loved the movie. And I went, I want to go in that direction. I love the chunkiness. I love the muscularity, the muscular sure, yeah. the characters. Oh, and it was something I, I was starting to ramble about that was really important. That I think really stuck with Peter too, was what I loved in that live action movie that I thought was always integral to Turtles, but wasn't brought out enough, was that they are a family. Yeah. They are four brothers with a foster single dad and um, they're triplet, they're quadruplets, but each has a different personality, but they are brothers. There's a blood bond there. Yeah. And I have a lot of brothers and sisters. And I looked at that and went, we got to bring that sort of synergy into the show. So there's going to be there in that four, you know, two of them can pair off against the other two, but there's also this sort of interwoven feeling. So that's why Ralph, and and Raph and um, and um, Michelangelo, as much as there's this sort of curly Larry thing going, Raph knows he can talk Mikey into doing shit. Uh, everybody can talk Mikey into doing shit, but sure. Raph yeah. can bully him. Where Raph, he can kind of keep up. And um, Donnie, of course, is a soft one you can always go to. But Donnie also had his his mistakes of you know he'll get into something and. You know, the science would take him away in front of, you know, before common sense would take over. Um, uh, Leonardo was always that calming visage. But we also, I wanted, I always liked the idea, Lloyd and I had brought up that underneath the surface, there's a thin line between him and Raph. In other mm -hmm. words, Leo can go crazy if he wanted to. If he did, he'd be more dangerous than Raph. Raph is dangerous by itself with Leo, with his knowledge and whatever he, you know, all the skills he has. If he went off like Raph, it would be so. So in the way they played off each other, they're all yin and yang. And I really want to keep that through the show. I really wanted to make that visibly work in the show. So how do you do that when you got guys who look alike, but you got to do it in posture? And that was the thing, again, that I did not see in the Warner Brothers stuff, that sense of characterization with these characters. That when you, I want it, like I immediately said, we have to make these silhouettes stand out. Even though we know who they are, I want you to be able to see that silhouette and go, that's Ralph, that's Mikey, that's Donnie, that's Leo. And so working with AJ, uh, the first one that we did, because to me, let's go backwards, let's go to the hardest guy, would have been Ralph. That was my first turtle. 
that we drew. Okay. Because I wanted to get that attitude. We didn't get that attitude. We didn't have a show. Sure. Because that was the whole point. We tried to get an edgier, darker turtle. So we got to take the edgiest, darker turtle, turtles and sell them. And he got it right off. Um, but like I said, AJ couldn't stay on the show. So uh, when Adrian was brought on, um, Adrian just picked up the ball and ran. He was just like his dad, a sponge. His dad was like that. His dad could take something and just absorb it and spit it out better than what you've given him. And um, Adrian did that. And so we had a show. Once, once I got that synergy going with the characters and Peter liked it and saw where we wanted there was some line where Peter had said in the interview that I wanted to put horns on the turtles. I don't know where the hell that came from. I think that was that his wit and my wit certainly were basketball fields apart. <laughs> so I may have said that in a sense of being, um, I don't like to say no, unless it's absolutely awful. I like to play around with an idea. Okay. Um, that's part of the artist in me. Um, Sometimes you go there, so you can say no. I just don't want to say no all the way. I want to get it off the paper. And I think he took it too literally, but it was a joke. Um, Put the what on the turtles? I'm sorry, what'd you say? Horns, horns. Because okay. I, cause the, we all knew that turtles came from Daredevil. <laughs> That's where that joke came from. Turtles came from Daredevil, and I goes, well, maybe we should put horns on them. Ha ha. And knowing damn well, we wouldn't. Although, sure. technically, when we were discussing how to do the mask, I was really thinking of trying to introduce Ninja Mass onto mm. the Turtles to, again, to differentiate it from what we usually see. Sure. Because again, you got to go out there sometimes before you come back. And I didn't want to do the, the um, quasi, uh, the multicolored crap that uh, we got from um, Fred Wolf. And again, I'm not knocking Fred. I mean, hell, if we didn't have no, Fred. Yeah, but it's to. very different. It's a but it was a different world. Yeah, different time. I, what I didn't want is, okay, he's got a yellow scarf. He's got a orange scarf. You know, <laughs> we didn't want to do that or make it that obvious. Like I told everybody, if we went that dark, I want us to dirty it up. Mm. So that maybe when they were little turtles, they had those things nice and bright. But now that they're, in my mind, they're all 16. Because that's that age where they get, teenagers get really rebellious. So, you know, so I went, oh, yeah, they're 16 years old and they're bursting at the testosterone and they're making Splinter's life miserable. And, uh, <laughs> you know, because they just want to get out in the world. And so, but I want them to dirty. I want them to feel like they have worked in these geese and their belts. They have lived in these things. So that was important. Scuff them up, scratch them up. Put on the, the knee pads, I thought, because I was watching. I mean, I'm a big, big fan of martial art films. I have been since I was a child watching Bruce Lee and Green Hornet. And so all the styles are something I am nuts about. Also samurai films. That's all to me. All that encompassed martial art films. So I wanted that influence strong, big, strong. And so putting the pads on them, if you've done real martial arts, you need to have pads to some degree because you don't want to hurt yourself while you're hurting somebody. And it also just looked badassery. So we did that. Um, but the look of it, yeah, that came out of looking at the movies, loving that muscular kind of, um, again, um, super, super heroic look. Sure. And I wanted you to see their silhouettes and go, oh, this is not, this is not uh, the Fred Wolf Turtles. This isn't Kawabunga PC, you guys. <laughs> these guys are, these guys are, as I used to say, this is like Shokasigi, Sunny, Sunny Chiba ninjas. This is real out of Japan ninjas. This is Shaw Brothers, I will kill you ninjas. 
And that's what the team took as their mandate. Peter approved. And even though he, I think he was happy, there was always, it was still some caution. It was always some caution. I think that's, that went completely through my run with the show with him. But well, I, I don't blame him, though. I really don't blame him for that. Yeah, and I, I know, too, with uh, Next Mutation, the live-action show that didn't go well. That was... Oh, yeah. yeah. So that one... I'm curious. Uh, you touched on this a little bit already, but I'd love to hear what your vision or whatever was uh, for the four turtles, like where you saw them like early on, what you wanted to do with them heading out. Um, you ever see a movie called, uh, I'm sure you have, when we bring it up, Ninja Scrolls? I don't think I have. I'm sorry. Ooh, animated and Ninja Scrolls? I, I can okay. say yes and, and appear like I know. You will, you will thank me. I have right, had many famous people who sure. I've turned on to that movie, or All non-famous right. people who have seen it or know it and knows what I'm talking about. It is the creme de la creme of Japanese animation um, ninja stories. Okay. And um, it was, I call it the Akira of samurai films. Okay. Um, uh, you know, Akira is like the, t- the, 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 the piece de resistance of science fiction anime still is and ninja scrolls still stands as one of these greatest and uh, action things done and when i was doing spawn i turned ninja scrolls on to to to, to todd mcfarland oh well and, okay you guys were doing it this way because a lot of it was very batman animated influenced hmm. and i went again i want this to breathe more a different breath and my friend who brought me on the show who i mentioned helped me out um who was the supervisor director on Spawn was Frank Parr. And Frank and I were both big, huge fans of Ninja Scrolls. And um, look at it, look at it, look at it and go, okay, see what they're doing? They're looking at film. They're not looking at cartoons anymore. They're looking at film. So there's a lot of what you saw in Kurosawa films and all these other names I can throw out that you go, oh, unless you're a martial arts film fan, you'll go, I don't know any of those names. But we were seeing all that and the use of color, but most importantly, the use of shadows, mm. heavy shadows. And I knew coming right through the door, I want, and, and also one of the things Peter uses like a litmus test of anybody was really getting what he was talking about was he seen it too. And so when I brought up Ninja Scrolls and thinking shadows and let's put this in the animation and not the way I saw it done in the Warner Brothers test, but really make it part of the show. Hmm. he got it and that's when he was like okay this is the guy so um going through the door again um i'm I'm almost losing your question what was your question Uh, i'm curious like what you like because you define the turtles for the show uh in your own way so i'm curious what you like what you set out to do with them individually because they're all it's different than what came before for even it's different that was it ninja scrolls was our primer because okay. what now it's only about one single samurai, but he meets a ton of ninjas. He fights like five different ninjas and they're all like something out of Marvel comics. And um, again, we want that bigger than life thing come out in this turtles. But in this case is, okay, how do we make each guy stand out? Because that was important. We were introducing the turtles. So again, Leo is the most stoic, classic samurai warrior. And that was the other thing, too, is that, you know, I brought up ninjas. I really wanted them to do ninja shit. <laughs> you know, yeah. I wanted them to disappear in shadows. I wanted them to flip. I wanted them. The only thing they didn't do a lot, we didn't have, because ninjas are also known for their gadgets. And I thought, well, if we make them do traditional ninja gadgets, it'll almost kind of overshadow what Donnie does. Makes sense. Or, sure. or, or kind of, I wouldn't say overshadow, but it, it was sort of getting away. 
blur the lines. And I like Donnie as a techno ninja. And yeah. that's when I was, I was bringing words to this that helped Lloyd get to Peter and go, this is what we want to do. So even though Donnie is, cause I, he was the one ninja I felt like I didn't give him enough or I didn't play him enough rather on the show uh, other than, okay, Q and Donnie. I really wanted him to stand out, even with the bow fight. I wanted him never to forget he's a ninja, even though he's got all these gadgets. Mm. So that was important for us not to get into ninja gadgets, shurikens and things of that sort. The turtles themselves were weapons, and we made that a part of the show. And only when Donnie would step in when they needed something special, like out of like Q and James Bond. Okay, you're going to need this knife, you know, sure. yeah. in Act 3, or in this briefcase in Act 2, that kind of thing. But we didn't want it to always be there in front. They are weapons. So going back to the posture and stuff, we wanted Mikey. Mikey, to me, was like Shaw Brothers. He was Jackie Chan. Okay. We wanted him to fight with furniture. Um, and Raph would take his cue from that. Raph was Wolverine. So Raph had to be just this berserker move. you know. So if, if, if Leo is Yojimbo and Raph is Wolverine, and so here's Mikey as Jackie Chan. So mm. Donnie was that, again, Donnie was classic Kung Fu. If you watched Iron Monkey or anything like that, he was the, the guy, you know, the pole fighter who can take the pole and do crazy things with it. So with that mandate in mind, this is how I went to my board guys and say, okay, this is how we make the fights different. I went through a lot of board guys who I had to honestly eliminate because they would just treat this as, oh, this is just Ninja Turtles. Um, and we're introducing for the Foot Clan, we gave them real, these real um, uh, sickle and chain weapons that ninjas use. And I was telling them, okay, they use them this way. It's kind of obvious. The chain, you spin, capture your, your, your a target, pull them in, and hit them with the sickle. And one of the guys was drawing them, spinning the sickle and holding the chain. And I gave him two times tries and then finally had to get rid of him. <laughs> I had him redraw the whole thing. It was like, no, you're not listening. And I and then brought a lot of film in, a lot of Shaw Brothers, a lot of Hong, uh, Hong Kong, a lot of Hong Kong, a lot of um, Samurai Ninja, uh, Shokasigi movies, Sonny Chiba. I really wanted to bring him up because he was my ninja, um, Street Fighter guy. He used to do a lot of ninja films back in Japan. And um, so it was a real education of looking at cinema instead of looking at cartoons. The only cartoon I allowed us to look at was Ninja Scrolls. Because the use of the shadows, the use of the characterization was doing, like, to me, they were a motion picture version of what we were trying to distill for TV. It's interesting because it really pays off because the action of that show is really excellent. Like, like the action stood out to me and the storytelling. I mean, there were times where there was three, four, five part stories. Yeah. Really ambitious for Saturday mornings. You know, yeah. was that always part of it? Because it, it's it was really impressive to me how many big stories you expected the audience to keep up with. And they did, of course. So. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, it was scary. Lloyd warned me. I mean, you know, I really, I got to give him major props for not only bringing me on and working with me and not only playing Lazon, but master planner. I mean, honestly, again, Lloyd's vision worked with not only mine, but Peter's and his own. And um, those multi-stories, I was warned right off. That's what we wanted to do. Again, a thing where originally he told me once I got to New York, oh, my God, I was one inch from agreeing to move to L.A. to work with you there. 
because I really, really knew we had the people we wanted. We'd be able to do this a little simpler, a little easier. Mm. But me coming to New York was easier for him. And he was grateful, but it was like, oh, my God, this is what we want to do. And I'm like, oh, dude, everybody I need who could do this was back in L.A. And they're already doing multiple jobs there. We can't count on them. Um, but, you know, OK, that's what we're going to do. We're not going to change. This is what he sold, Peter. Multiple storylines. And I knew, all right, then I'm going to have to really be as a supervising director. I mean, I was hands on with everybody. I really wish I could have hired other directors, but I couldn't afford that. Mm. Um, one, again, the talent I needed to do that, I had to promote from within sort of thing. So that's what we did. And, okay. um, you know, it, it still, it was tough. And there was a couple of times they go, well, you want us to bring another director? I goes, no, because going through with Peter and Lloyd, you don't need any more voices to get in the mix. You know, they know what they want to do. So it's a matter of carrying it out. Any someone's going to write what I want to do. And um, I got to feel it, like those fights. We, I we walked the, I mean, we constantly kept getting little notes from standards and practice, even though we were syndicated. Oh, and um, we had to, you know, there were times when we can go, oh, we can ignore this. And other times we go, all right, give them this, but let's do it this way. So I use a trick I used in T.I. Joe where, or if we can't hit the man, hit the object. Mm. But if he hits the object, really hit it. <laughs> you know, again, you know, we're not going to make it a soft. I don't want anything soft. It's got to be creative. It's got to be smart. And again, to get that across to the artist, I'd make him look at Hong Kong films with Jackie Chan. He goes, Jackie would do these crazy things, but he'll constantly show you he's alive. He's still alive while he's doing it. And I want us to keep that feeling in there. So that was fun. Those 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 fight scenes were really thought out. They weren't just, eh, we make them up on a spot. I really had to sit and think about the choreography and work with the artist. Sometimes the artist would walk in and have it. And it's like, great, let's do it. Take off from there. Uh, my revisionist in-house, I kept them busy. We we're constantly, you know, trying to tweak and fix things as we went. The one thing I... I, I really admired too was in the very beginning how kind of slow it was like mm -hmm. it, it, like how slow the burn was like it, not every, like in the pilot you like you didn't rush shredder you see him for right. a second at the end you didn't rush april she's not even in it like it really took the time to introduce these characters and give the four you know these four crazy turtle characters right. their time to be introduced without like here's everything else you need to know about what this series is going to go it, it really right. like the origin story doesn't come until like three episodes in it took yeah. it time in a really beautiful way yeah yeah again that was the beauty of what i mean again to give peter major crops that was what he really his envision was that we introduce these guys kind of like in the comics and have a continuity that makes sense not just episode episode ha ha and all of a sudden new episode episode ha ha we wanted threads so that if something happened in episode two we may it may pop up in episode nine eight fifteen later Sure. And have consequences that's going to go into next season. And that was kind of fun. That was fun creating this, you know, like, like Stockman. When we got to Baxter Stockman, when they said, oh, wait, we want to make him to the comic. I was excited. He goes, oh, wait a minute. He's black in the comics. Oh, cool. So we can keep him black. Now, I knew the original. I heard the original April was black. But because of the influence of the movie and, well, the, the Fred Wolf series and the movie, the redhead is is April. Sure. So I wanted that contrast. I wanted to keep it. 
But I love, I love from day one, Baxter Stockman was one of the characters that jumped right. No matter what design we did of him, that was exactly how I envisioned it. That was exactly how the script called for him. That was exactly what Peter wanted us to do. And, and then the voice with Scotty was really hilarious. He came in. There were certain actors who you knew can just get this. I, I just sat there and it's like, I told him anyway, I wanted like radio where I, I'm sitting here. I want you to take me with your voice into this story. Don't fall back on cartoon shit. Be the character. Mm. And he got it. He was Baxter Stockman when he walked in. He was Baxter Stockman when he walked out. He was just great. And Baxter's so good in that show. He's he's so, he's he such a character. Like it's probably the most iconic take on the character. He's so good. He gets so many different iterations. Oh, and he's also kind of funny because he gets you know various yeah. injuries to him. But like the character himself, he carries all. The, he's in it more than Shredder. Oh, yeah. Really, he's, yeah. he's yeah. So much of the show. He's so great. Yeah. Shredder actually, to me, is boring. I, I like that. I mean, the thing that made me excited about him is when we realized, okay, he's neutral. Awesome. Okay. He's not just some, again, I did not want the usual evil Asian take on him. I, we played it, but I didn't want that shit. I mean, I wanted, I, look, I'm a Japanese, a Japanese file, Asian history, Asian culture finally. I love that. I love it. And very close friends with many people. I mean, I hate to say it that way, but but I love that stuff. And so I wanted that love to come through on Turtles. So when we played him as this evil Japanese businessman guy, I always wanted, I want the curtain to come off and show that he wasn't. Sure. That he was not this person and that he's a caricature. And the Utrams to me were always fun caricatures. So when we knew he was an evil Utram, that made it more fun to play him. But Baxter was exactly what you saw. He was this alter, this, this, you know, this, this messed up, disturbed person. <laughs> That's the best way to call him. Messed up, disturbed person who causes, no matter how much harm he causes outside, causes three times more harm to himself. His ego was his biggest problem for a guy who just was basically a schlep. He was a super brainy schlep. And when we kept thinking, when Lloyd came up with the comeuppance, and I remember the day he told me he's giggling to himself. Was how about if we he loses a part every time? <laughs> can we get away with that? And I went Lloyd. Whenever you say can we get away with it, we need to do it. <laughs> you know? I mean, I, it, 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 that's no better challenge than to say can we get away? Oh hell yeah, we're going to try to find a way to do it. So it became sure. that every time he screwed up, he lost a body part. And we knew he was going to wind up just going to be a brain in a jar. That was the end joke. And I said, no, is he, even worse, he's got to be an eye <laughs> to a brain. Be all that stuff stuff. Yeah. And we knew we can build himself back. We knew that somewhere sure. on the line he's going to come back. Because that's the thing about him. That's the thing I loved about Baxter. For him being this schleppy, you know, a know-it-all idiot, he had a tenacity. He was going to come back. Yeah. Oh, you take my body. As long as I have my mind, <laughs> I'm still Baxter Stockman, and I'm going to be the terror of your life. And he does, and I, and that's why he was fun. So he was. He came right off the, literally from our head on the paper, and stayed that way. It, the fun part was always trying to figure. Okay, what part can we take? We sure, first yeah. wanted to be subtle, and then you got to be more overt. You know, eventually you're going to run out. Yeah. Oh yeah, so it was like, okay, how can we do? Oh, we can't do it right now. We got to stretch it out. So that that became fun. That was a lot of fun. When he was in a script, I knew, oh, we're gonna have a ball with this. Um, and then also making Hun his personal nightmare. Yeah, where did Hun come from? Where who like Hun's, where did the character come from? Hun's funny. I mean, Hun's straight from us. Um, 
Hun, even the name Hun, I, I can honestly say we had 50, I think almost 70 names and they all suck and they all were corny. And we kept, and I forgot who came up with Hun. I think it just dropped. Um, and it kept bugging me because I liked it because it was so unconventional and yet said so much because in our history, if you're into history, the Huns were so ferocious as characters, as, 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 as warriors, yeah. uh, up to when World War One, where the Germans were called the Huns by their actions. So Huns was like the opposite of samurai. Huns were the opposite of, uh, of uh, you think of any positive warrior tribe, and there's the Huns looked on as negatively, even <laughs> against the Vikings, you know, because at one point I think we wanted to call them Viking and went, oh, that's kind of, that's kind of like, Calling a nail a nail, you know, that's <laughs> so too hard. But Hun was great. And everyone was resistant at first because it sounded like, boy, is he honey? What are you trying to do? And I went, no. And I drew him, I, again, to take all credit, I drew him right off. I mean, I knew what I wanted. I wanted, I always love the idea of the intelligent kingpin. I mean, oh, kingpin yeah. is such an incredible, I mean, I'm a big guy. So um, I really, it rankles me that whenever they show big, dumb guys. Sure. Because it's like, no, you got to have a brain to be able to move this body around, you know, and uh, and people, you know, people literally do see you and not see yourself and, and never see you. Mm. So I want to hunt as that. He was very diabolical, very sly, streetwise. And um, I wanted him to be this, you know, anybody who ever dealt with bullies. I mean, again, this is a deep thought we put into the show. Uh, Hun was the ultimate bully. Um, I love the fact that he straddled both the worlds of the Purple Dragons and the Foot. That yeah, is, well, you I, wouldn't have had one without the other. I mean, to me, yeah. it's like, yeah. I mean, the, the 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 Foot were like. I mean, going back to my West Side Story influence, they were the they were the Jets with steroids. You know, they were given the drug trade. The the Foot were ancient. You know, world uh, uh, crime world figures, but these guys were punks. But when you give punk a gun and you give punk money, they get dangerous. And so that's to me with the Purple Dragon, especially with anybody Purple Dragon. So I really wanted to stand out and be something creepy. I think our original designs were rough. We were really having a hard time, like how to envision them in this turtles world. And oh, and the artist who I couldn't remember, who also introduced Adrian to me was Del Barris, another okay. old comic book vet who I worked with, who's also worked in animation. Del was our original, uh, like I said, storyboard supervisor. And, um, but again, the, the kind of stuff I was asking for, I needed someone who really could absorb all these things we're talking about and um, put them into the show and back me up in putting them into the show. Because uh, there was a lot of times where I was carrying the ball and uh, Lloyd was carrying the ball and we needed someone else who can come in and say, hey, I, I see this. Uh, Adrian did it beautifully. And that's what, you know, again, um, really thank him for that. Uh, I'll try to get you in contact with him because he'd be worth talking to. He drew oh, the entire damn five years. The show I love. So it, 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 I, I was a fan of Turtles since I was a kid. Like before I remember, I was a Turtles fan. And awesome. I was a senior in high school, right? <laughs> suddenly there's a new Turtles show coming out. And I'm ex I can't tell anybody because I'm, you know. Yeah but I was so excited. <laughs> and like, I, I remember the toys showing up in Walmart and being super yeah. excited about them. So like, it was such a cool moment to have it suddenly be back in such a big yeah. way. And, and, and the show to be so satisfying on top of it. So 
It was, you know, despite everything, it was satisfying. It was, I mean, again, the frustrating part was not having the time sure. to do what I wanted to do, which is one of the reasons I left. Um, but uh, also, and, and, and it was a tremendous show where you needed, there was a lot of moving parts. And um, um, the distance to be away from what I was used to was tough. And trying to adapt into New York was was not as tough, but still um, not easy. But I'm still proud of it, very, very proud of it. And glad that we were the ones that issued in. You wouldn't have had this sort of re renaissance of turtles, renaissance of tough turtles without yeah. this show. Um, you know, I mean, I remember when uh, Nickelodeon was doing it, and yeah, they got a little uppity about, oh, we're going to do this and this. And they're like, you know, you guys aren't going over ground that we not discussed. But they forget that in the time that we were doing it, none of that could have went across. You couldn't have gotten to do what they were doing at that time period. Yeah. But we did get them. We opened the door to that. Okay, and, yeah, I mean, know. and honestly, not only are they standing on your shoulders, but um, I don't know if you know this, the IDW comic book, uh, the people who are behind that very much credit the 2003 show as the biggest source of inspiration for that comic. Awesome, awesome. No, yeah. you know, and it's funny because the guys I don't get to, who I kind of wanted to meet, were um I remember the artists, I can't remember, I think Michael Dooley was one and Ace Furley. I looked at their stuff. That I didn't tell Peter this, but I was looking at their stuff to uh because I love their covers and I love because I saw what they were doing. Like, oh damn, that's the edgy turtles that yeah. I should see more of. And I love what they were doing. I heard he had problems with it, so that's well another reason I never brought it up. Because I didn't want to do anything that was going to make him feel like, oh, my God, you guys are going down the street. And I can't stop you. You now become those Hollywood people I want to avoid. I didn't want to give him any of that. So I secretly would take the crew and say, let's look at this stuff. Sure. And it's among us. And we look at it and we distill it. And then when he saw it, went, oh, that's genius. We didn't tell him. Oh, we looked at stuff that you would have been afraid to look at or not didn't want us to look at. Which is one other reason why I wanted that distance. I didn't want him dictating to the art what we can do. He already did that to a certain degree, but you got to let creativity, you got to let creative people be creative. You got to let it come out. Oh, yeah. That was one of the things I noticed when at the beginning of the development, all this art, because there was a lot of amazing art that was being done. There were some bad ones, but a lot more amazing than bad. And again, it was like, well, why aren't you guys farther than what you are? Well, we kept running it by and it goes, well, someone's got to stand up and say, no, this is the way to go. And it goes, well, that's why we brought you and I'm okay. Good. We're going to take this. We're going to take that. There were very little things I took from that pile, but it helped me give my guys a jump off. Like, okay, see this? Don't go there. See this? Go higher than this. But this is a direction. And to me, that's what a director does. That is an art director does, which, I mean, I was wearing that hat too, but that's what we do. So um, again, creatively, it came from the movies. It came from the comics. Again, there were times we look at the comics. Um, we can always do, I saw the essence of what they were doing, but I knew we can do it better. And that's our job was to make it better. Not as a put down, but to make it better and stronger. Well, and, one thing I really liked too was, so like, you know, you guys eventually did the Turtles in Space. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you waited until season two for that, which I thought was great. Cause like, I love the original Mirage comics, but I think they're in space by issue three, four. I'm trying to remember. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It happened so quick. I was like, oh man, I would have loved a bit more of the street level turtles. And you gave yeah. us a lot of that, which I really liked. Yeah, thank you. Well, that was important. I mean, yeah. again, we're, we're trying to, we, we were world building. We knew we were world building without using that big word. Um, 
but that was exactly what we were doing. We we're creating this. I mean, again, for kids, always had a vision of this being a long-term thing. Hmm. Um, I didn't, I mean, up until when they brought in, they weren't sure it was going to happen. But once it, once the train left the station, that was their ambition. And then when Playmates came on, well, Playmates were always on board. Uh, to go back to the creation of Hun, um, Playmates actually were also big in helping us get Hun sold. Because when they saw my sketch, they were like, who's this guy? And I'm like, I, well, we just saw him as, I knew Shredder needed an intelligent, uh, he needed a lieutenant. And uh, a guy who was, you know, who was the general lieutenant, whatever. And he had to look so different from the Shredder and yet formidable. So that's why I went with the intelligent Hulk thing. And first thing out there, I'm like, does he have a weapon? I goes, no, he, look at this guy. Does he need a weapon? Sure, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, we wound up compromising by giving him like this weird kind of it only the came out thing. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah. And, I had and that was, great toy. Yeah, yeah that was, you, know, you know, it was funny because they were the, probably the best toy company I've ever worked with because they would take our garbage and I would throw things out. They go, "Can we use this?" I'm like, "Well, whatever, you're the guys." <laughs> so they would come up with shit that eventually would go. Well, let's we'll, we'll, we'll swing that into the show eventually, or not. And the thing with Han, as I kept telling him, was like, Han doesn't need armor. He is, he is this. He is armor, sure, yeah. And so the rule came, well, all right, we're not going to, we're going to use it and make it a toy. But if you can, bring him in. If not, don't worry about it. We trust you. We like, we love what you're doing. And nine out of ten, most of the times when I was trying to get something passed for kids, playmates were the ones that backed me up. Oh, that's cool. And they were really great. And they gave us just an enormous amount of swag. So he always That's had cool. toys around. This was really cool. Is there anything I, you still have that are like prized parts? Like I'm curious. Um, honestly, I've given. I have one thing of turtles I kept, and it was uh, actually given to me directly by Peter. Which okay. again, I'm, I'm, I don't want to make it sound like I hated the guy. We just no, didn't. No, no. I, just I, I, I don't get that at all. But no, no, I, I get um, your thing. I got from him um, a statue of Leonardo that I still have. Oh wait, is it? Hold on, is it? Is it that one over there? <laughs> you got one. Let's see. Think, uh, on, everything's moving. Everything's moving. <laughs> so. it? Yes. All right. So yes, this is the uh, like the original first panel comic uh, for the people. Who, like this isn't a visual podcast. I don't right. know. Right. So all these years <laughs> later, I still have it. Now I didn't know about it's the a other great statue. It's the from the first oh. panel statues that that they did uh, in the early two thousands, and they're very oh, cool. Wow. But yeah, that's a great layout. Yeah, I know what you're. It's talking still about. in the box. I haven't taken it out yet. I mean, I moved. Um, that's why I put my camera. I got boxes behind me and stuff. But um, and nobody wants to see this old man's face. But still, it's like I still have it in a box, and I'm eventually going to work up to where I'm going to put it in a case. Um, but it's gone through two cities and three whole houses, so I don't know. I kind of like the box. <laughs> so it's it come in boxes. You know, I don't I don't want to keep you too long, but I did a couple questions. No, 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 no. I am enjoying this. So you know, okay, good, good. Just what I do. No. You're talking about Utram Shredder. To me, like yes. that is the most identifiably huge, awesome change from this series. And I'm curious yes. where that came from because like you know, sometimes Laird is seen as somebody who really wanted to keep it very mirage and not change a ton. Uh, mm-hmm. And yet here's Shredder as a brain, and it's great. It works so good. I'm curious. Yeah. You- well, I mean, again, the, the beauty of having Lloyd, who is uh, just, I mean, Lloyd was my Stanley. And if I was his Jack Kirby, great, because uh, we bounced a lot of ideas off each other. And um, 
Um, not again, not to denigrate. I don't know how to put Keith Peter in that pantheon other than he was Galactus, but um, still. <laughs> but which is a good thing. This is a good thing, you know. Galactus or, or the Watcher, both. But I mean, Lloyd would tell me what he and Peter want to do, and I said, "Oh, this is awesome because we're stretching the story out. We're making it more of a mystery, and yep. that's what came down." I mean, remember, I mentioned the Terradrome. We always loved the Utrons. We all did. We always loved those little bastards sitting in the, the, the robot. The robot always creeped me out because like a big, creepy, giant, strange baby with yeah. this little pink guy. But we knew we wanted to make it. And by that time, Peter had got on board about making, really, he trusted us with the edginess. So we mm-hmm. knew we weren't going to make him goofy like that. And um, But we definitely could not let go of the Utrons because they're important. And I went, well, and again, I cannot, my memory fails me who came up and said he's neutral. Maybe it was Peter, maybe, but it, it, it just made sense. And it's like, well, yeah, you know, because these guys have been involved for so long and have messed up. I mean, they basically were the reasons the turtles became the turtles. And um, the whole you know, time travel thing, the space, it just made sense to put them finally in center, center uh, stage. It works and so that, well. Like it's such it a, it, yeah. I remember it being such a, like, when you know Leo slices his head off, which oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Saturday morning, right? Oh, slices dude, we scared the hell out of standards and practices when that happened. They're, oh my God, you chopped his head off! And we're like, no, we're gonna give you a secret. It isn't him, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And like, again, I'm <laughs> 18, but I was like, oh shit, what's happening here? You know, like well, anyway, again, Lloyd and I were shortly because anybody who's a real turtle freak would know that. Well, wait a minute, if he's a robot, but you know he's a living kind of thing, what else, Where can he be? And if you knew about the Utrams, oh my God, <laughs> he's got to be an Utram because how else you going to run a headless robot body? And we were hoping that that kind of little visual um, spoiler would kind of hook you. And it did. It hooked everybody. Oh. Like, oh, geez, what's going on? And, you know, and um, so. I don't remember when I figured it out, but I do remember being like, yeah. way excited about it. Like at first, like, you know, and, and I, I, don't, I think it's, I don't know if it was as bad then. But like yeah. now, certainly fans are there's certain a, a toxic part of fandom, right? That like yeah. hates anything that represents change and all, right? Oh um, yeah, oh yeah. And I don't know if you got did you, I mean I, I, did you get any of that back then, or was um, that not a thing as much? No, I mean it, it was weird because they were very open to it. They were a lot more open to it than we thought. I think once they felt trust, it was like with Peter. Once you felt trusted with the storytelling, you allowed yourself to be tugged and pulled. There were some. There were some some characters that didn't go over. One that I was directly involved in creating. Please tell me. Uh, I want to know. What, like, what's the worst oh, rejection you got for an idea? <laughs> rejection, but rejected by the fans was, um, which is funny. Again, Playmates love whatever the hell we did. I mean, I, they literally went to my garbage and find stuff. And we got the, the, the head liaison. And this was not some little, this was like head of the development. He and I come in, talk, chat, look at what we're doing. And he will see me throwing stuff. I go, let me see, please. And he would, okay. And I'm like, huh? You know, like the Han shield thing. Um, All that kind of stuff that would eventually come out. Mikey's, Donnie's scuba tank thing was another one I threw out and he took and made into a toy and we eventually brought it back. Um, But character wise, the one guy that Lloyd Knight liked, but everybody else was like, ah, (laughs) it was a garbage man. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I can't remember why. I think at the time we couldn't do the Rat King or something. Something made us want to. I wanted to bring again um, 
I wanted to, I, I knew it was going to be important, like with Hun, that we bring in new characters. And Hun was such a big over. I mean, Hun got me so many great points. He's great. And even when they finally decided on the name Hun, Lloyd showed it to me almost like a present. Like, guess which one they picked? And I'm like, oh, they went with Dreadnook or some, whatever. <laughs> and it was, no, Hun. And went, awesome. <laughs> so I just love, you just say it, Hun, and you just get it. And so um, Garbage Man was one they went with. They loved the name. We just couldn't pull it off the way we wanted to. I saw him like he was a nod to both the Daleks and Dr. Octopus. Okay. Uh, again, a guy who was melted with a machine and the machine is scarier than the man. I got but, a little uh, mojo vibe from him too, from X-Men. Yeah, there was a little mojo in there. I didn't think sure. about that until later, but yeah, but uh, mojo's also based off by all those things I just mentioned. We're all kind of sure. looking at the same uh, source. But yeah, he was more mojo-y then I think that's probably what we, he never stood out as strong as like Hun did. Was he, he never, Hun's brother or something? Uh, did I wind up being somebody's brother? By that time I had left, and my influence. Oh, okay, I wasn't was sure. I can't yeah, I mean, he to my mind, I see. I liked, I liked these guys having their own origins. I mean, the thing I liked about Hun was that he definitely was tied into taste Casey. Yep. I mean, he was the guy that burned Casey's you know neighborhood, bullied him all his life, all that kind of stuff. But I think you. It gets to be too corny and disingenuous to the fans' attention when you have to tie in every damn thing. Oh, yeah. It's exhausting sometimes. I, I mean, to me, a Garbage Man was just another twisted version of Captain Nemo, hmm. except he used garbage. And um, maybe that wouldn't have been likable, but I didn't need him to be, you know, Khan's third cousin from his mama's side. That's sure, just, right, right. You know, we yeah. shared the same grandfather. Well, okay. <laughs> so what happened to you? <laughs> you know, it's like that. So that's the kind of stuff later. And that led to my kind of feeling more um, less interested in Turtles mm. because it started, it started getting overkill and trying to tie in too many things. I don't think you needed to. Yeah, I, I can see that. There's some times where it was like, late, I don't want to point on anything specific, but there were times where it was like, oh, well, this is now part of their origin, but did it have to be? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I and you can. I mean, this is kind of stuff I went back and forth, and there were times when I was told, well, you're just a director. And I went, okay. Well, if I'm just a director, then I'm going to make this happen. Put it this way. You're now, I'm going to be a professional, but whatever magic I could have brought to this is out the door. I'm not going to kill myself to make this better when it sucks, <laughs> you know, like with, uh, like with Garbage Man, he didn't work, I got it. I was willing to let him go. When somebody brought in a Garbage Man story, and like, what do you think? I'm like, hey, you know, let's go with it, if you like it. I mean, to me, he just, what I wanted was that lightning in a jar I got with Hun, and I didn't get it. Sure. Nano was a surprise to me. Um, Nano was one I didn't think I was gonna like, okay. and eventually I did. Um, the Frankenstein story with the oh yeah it's a good one with the, the, with the man as a yeah yeah that was kind of fun um, yeah. Yeah. wasn't crazy about his design it was hard trying to because that was the other thing I was cognizant I was very very cognizant of um, cognizant of um, being a character like that how he's going to work I didn't want him to look like a transformer he, hmm. the whole point was not to make him look slick and yet he's got to be this sort of formidable frightening image eventually built to that. So it was a lot of little things like that that I was present on and thought, okay, can we keep this up um, design-wise? Are we going to kill our studio? Just doing the environments was tough on our studio mm. because, like I said, we're bringing in shadows. I wanted to feel like a comic book 
and less of trying to be photorealistic. Um, there was a, one of the big jokes is when I came in and we're looking at the designs of backgrounds um, that previous people have done. And even my guys were starting to do, I had to stop them and go, stop. You're making this shit up. You're looking at books. Yeah, but you're living in fucking New York City. You can't go out with a goddamn camera, take a picture of a damn street and use that as your look, look out your goddamn windows. We've got freaking water towers all around us. This is the way a water tower should look. Look out your goddamn windows and draw from that. Look at life and then let's take it from there. Sure. And um, they they kind of kicked them in the ass. Went, oh, OK. And so but it was still tough on our our studio who are amazing people. Dong Wu did an amazing job. But there was, especially when we went into space, you brought up space. Space really, once they kind of got how to do New York, all mm. of a sudden, we're going to be forcing them now to do alien cities. And I'm like, holy shit, that's a lot holy to God. ask. Yeah. And it was tough. They were, they started dropping behind because we had reflections we were working on. I had to sit in meetings where we had to go back and forth. Do we want the reflection? Do we not want the reflections? All this kind of stuff. And um, that was draining. That was tough. Mm. Um, and again, it seems like every season or every fourth show you're changing whatever we spent hours to design that was going to last long now you're going to zip and put it somewhere else oh my god it got really crazy um trying to keep up on a schedule the changes that the stories were demanding so, um i'd love to ask you uh one of my favorite little easter eggs and it's right in the pilot yeah. is the eastman and laird cops do you know where that oh, came yeah. from oh yeah that was obvious that was going to be a um before the Stanley cameos, <laughs> which became canon for Marvel, sure. that was going to be the canon for them. The tough part was trying to decide: okay, do we draw them the way they were then, or do we draw them how they are now? Sure. <laughs> so we got to walk the, a fine line between that. But yeah, that was uh, again one of those things like the Utrams, where we always knew we were going to put them in. They didn't play as. Um, they were one where, again, they walked a fine line of believability for me. Mm, okay. um, they didn't, um, they weren't terrible. It's just that, okay, we put them in and that's it. You know, they're not going to be integral in the story. They're not going to be cops that Casey would talk to or interact with. And maybe that, yeah, I think Lloyd was like, no, nah, we don't make it that obvious. Like, well, then why would do them? Why do them at all? <laughs> but, you know. Yeah, they were very stately cameos where I enjoyed them, but they just as easily could have been cut for time and nobody would notice. Yeah, yeah, that's how I felt. And that's yeah. why I left them in. I mean, I stopped arguing about it because it was like, well, you know, when it came down to time, guess who's going to get the cut? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, or we can cut around it, you know, or whatever. And I had to be slick about that because I knew that, you know, I mean, once we did them, yeah, I think he wanted to see that in there. Yeah, you had to bring him back at least a few times. Yeah, so, um, but, Mikey winning the Battle Nexus, because that was at the end, right, when you were there? Yeah, that was towards the end. I always knew, again, when you break down the fighters, you know, Leo being uh, Toshio Mufuni, Samurai, um, you got Raph as Wolverine, Donnie as, um, I guess you could say Donnie would be like Jet Li, but we're all Jackie Chan fans. And the idea, I love the idea of the kooky guy being the most dangerous guy mm. because, you know, he, he's the most resilient. He thinks outside the box. He's crazy. Um, it made sense that Mikey would be the best turtle. Yeah. It, 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 like, it, it so. yeah. And I love the fact that he genuinely beats Raph by yeah. supporting him. He, yeah. he pushes yeah. his buttons yeah. and then he completely dominates him. It's great. Yeah. I mean, the thing about, again, the thing I love about Mike and again, the actors, 
Um, the guys playing these guys were so tight. Um, no, that's cool. Um, the actor playing um, uh, Raph and play, I mean, the guys, I mean, they're almost like brothers. You know, they hang out later. So their repertoire back and forth was so spontaneous, just wonderfully spontaneous. And it was so them. It's, I mean, I, I hear their voices and it's them. And uh, Greg was Raph. And um, uh, my man, he, <laughs> he goes by so many uh, uh, um, aliases. Like, I, I got to make sure I call him by his alias, Wayne. Um, doing Mikey, he just had that. Again, I never had to worry about calling retakes with those guys. I mean, it's like, just do variations of what you're doing. I, I, I want to say this too. Like all, like all four turtles are beautifully handled. They're all but- wonderful, yeah. Leo, something about Leo in that show was so dynamic and interesting because sometimes it's like, you know, it's sometimes hard to make the Cyclops character. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. And I would say that that is maybe the strongest, probably the strongest version of Leo ever. And Leo's episodes up and down are the best ones in the whole series, I think. They're great. Leo's the linchpin. If you threaten the linchpin, uh, uh, you know, of something that's drama that's going to keep you involved in the story and like i said going in the door and we knew that there is a thin line between what leo where leo's from and where raf is from mm, that's interesting and it would be scary in fact raf even was worried if leo crossed the line like during the city at war uh no before the city at war the, the fight was shredder the first big major conflict was shredder yeah because he kind of goes and like he kind of goes yeah, over the bad guys yeah a thousand percent makes sense yeah, and there are yeah. times where he's like we're during City at War where he wants to go out and fix the problem and Raph doesn't. And it's so yeah, like, yeah. it's a really genuinely interesting dynamic that was played. Right, yeah. And that's what we really played on. And Michael really, Michael um, Center, I never heard Michael's last name, right? Love the guy. Michael, Michael really, again, everybody, all my turtles sure. came to the door working this. You know, they, they had done their homework. They all brought in. I mean, Wayne's probably as big a comic book fan as all of us. And so everybody had the backstory. Michael, I took a side and went, I, okay, forget what you've seen in Turtles on, on, on Leo. Mm. I want you to look at, and not even think about Cyclops, but think of, again, all these movies and things that I mentioned to you. And um, Five Deadly Venoms is another one of my favorites. Um, the, the chemistry of these guys. And when, now imagine you're the leader. You're carrying in a ball. You're the older brother. And again, I have several older brothers and several younger brothers. He used to have a couple of younger brothers. And, um, and I went, here's again, you're the linchpin. So you're not only a teenager, but you got to be the responsible one. Sometimes that's going to annoy you. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You, you like, you feel the, like he's not just the square, like the, the straight arrow. He, you feel yeah. the weight on his shoulders a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah because you know, Splendor put it on, you know, yeah. and he can't tell me he knew they need a leader. So this is the leader, whether you like it or not. So that kept, always keep that sort of reluctance Mm. as well as that dynamic of, yes, I know I'm in charge, but sometimes I don't think I'm the right guy. And I think that, again, that creates drama, it creates interest. If he was just a straightforward, I know everything, he'd be so boring, which is why I think it's not Cyclops' fault. It's the way Cyclops is written. Totally. Yeah. And there's been very interesting takes on it. There's been very versions of that. But yeah, we're all not to the same source. So, Uh, two more questions. Did you design that new Foot Clan logo? That, that, yeah. Because that's now everywhere. That's the iteration. Yeah. I forgot forgot how we came about it. I know that we used to have a running joke where, you know, I would design something, Peter would go in and touch it up and tweak it. So it became a Pete's tweak as it was officially known. 
but it was always generally probably 90% of what I wanted to do in the first place and um, or 95% of what I was doing in the first place. But yeah, that came up again. It was a, a sense of was taken away from the goofy. We don't want to. The foot is a little silly. But it is silly. Let's yeah. I mean, yeah. there was a couple of things that I brought in. What was a must. Like I wanted Shredder instead of um, Owoko Osaki when he's in his human role to be dressed like a daimyo. That his whole man, you know, he really wanted to bring that Japanese influence in. And when we got to the music, I was working with a music director, I think it was John Gansley. Um, and I went, I want that knoll sound at the end of his, that's his theme. That was the other thing too, was when we got into the music, again, cinematically, uh, I wanted to, when you heard the music, you know what's, what's going on. It wasn't just wall-to-wall stupid music. It had to be music that worked with the theme and the visual. visual. So when you saw Shredder and he did something heinous <laughs> or made some proclamation, I wanted that. Yeah. I loved. And he played it to the max and it just, just I, I hear it now and it still warms my belly. You know, like, wow, that came across. He's scary. And so, yeah, that was, um, so even the Fit Clan, we wanted, I wanted to feel like a, a real had a kanji feeling. It wasn't a real kanji, but it had to be kanji because that was the other thing. We couldn't do something that would get us in trouble, be racially insensitive, but sure. in the world of comic books, it still had to feel and owe some allegiance to its origin. So mm-hmm. it had to have a kanji-like feeling. And also, again, comic book, he hadn't looked bad. It looked like, ooh, bad symbol. You know, I think there's a couple of times we even used it like a, a, um, a graffiti. So oh, yeah. I wanted to really walk both doors that you see it on the wall and you know, oh shit, you know, that kind of a thing. That's so, another yeah. thing that's in the uh, the IDW comics is that foot so- yeah. that symbol. And it's it's been in a few iterations since and it's a much I don't know, it's a much cooler take. And I love I love both, but it's a much cooler take on the foot. I, take, I mean, I'm, my memory's fuzzy on it. But I can just say that I, I certainly recognize how important it was that we needed to make it in that direction. I don't think I don't think I necessarily created it. But I know that we definitely took advantage of it and said, no, we got to make this, you know, prominent and stand out and be spooky, you know. My last question for you, and uh, is who, who's your favorite turtle? Ah, people always ask me that. <laughs> people always ask me that. On paper, it would be Leonardo. Because being especially with my damn especially with my history with the show, I certainly, I mean, I brought a lot of what I was feeling when I came in. I had to keep everything together as well as um, there was a lot of things I didn't like that I had to kind of maneuver with and a lot of things that I loved that I had to also keep focused. And then also that, and along at the end of the day, felt very alone with. And I, Lloyd put that wonderfully in the script. So he was my favorite. But the truth also is I loved them all. Sure. There were, I had my rap moments. I had. I certainly had my Mikey moments. Um, their film of me, uh, my Mikey moments that would never be seen publicly, except for the inner circle of turtle guys. There's another artist named Andreas who was one of my key guys. He's got a lot of photos. So that's our Mikey moment. Um, and Donnie, I, again, my regret with Donnie is how, how I feel about my younger brother. I don't feel like I felt it. I've spent as much as he loves me and reveals and and, and and rebels in that I'm you know his creative brother I didn't spend enough time with mm. and I feel the same way with Donnie which is why I love when Donnie and Mikey get together 
because it reminds me of my younger brothers when they get together and they're always in some little scheme that, you know, whatever you guys are doing, we know it's not good. And I know I got to pull your asses out of it, but I'm glad that you're in it together. <laughs> That's how I always looked at it. Even when Ralph's yelling at me, he knows, okay, Donnie's with Mikey, so there might be some safe here. But, you know, but Mikey's with Donnie, so I know that he's going to be protected. But I know between the two of them, they're going to be in trouble. And I like that dynamic, but I just, I still feel like, God, I wish we had done more with Donnie. Mm. But I like, so I love them all. But the guy I identify with most is Leo. Cool. That's the way I put it. I love them all, but I identify most with Leo. You know, Chuck, I appreciate talking to you this much. This is great. I, 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 is there anything else you want to say about this? Because I'm, I'm, that was amazing. Thank you. Well, one, I want to thank you because, I mean, I, I forget how much I, I forget. You know, when you do enough of this stuff, you have your favorite shows. You have your, I, I don't know how many productions I've on when people ask me, okay, how, what's your toughest production? What was the one that you had the most satisfaction? And Turtles always comes into that mix. That's cool. Um, even more than Spawn because, again, with Spawn, I was able, I was coming up with a lot of top-notch people. With Turtles, I watched a lot of artists come from nowhere in the world. And a lot of them are now their own directors, their own board guys, their own, or should be directors, or a lot of them who are just amazing people, Emilio included, who just came onto the show and just, and even Roy. I mean, Roy was my best board guy. Roy got the nod because he did the sequence of, um, the origin, the backstory of uh, of uh, Shredder killing uh, his ma- uh, killing uh, Splinter's master. Uh, Roy boarded that, and that was one of my that was the that was the sequence I would show people and say, "This is how far we go from the Fred Wolf stuff. We're doing this. This is about torture. It's about this stuff, but it still keeps this heroic storyline going." And um, so, everybody who I've worked with, I'm very proud of how they've grown. And it's a show that shouldn't have happened. It should not have been successful as it was. And I, when I was in New York, people from LA were so jealous. Like, how the hell did you get that? How, how, how are you guys doing that? You don't have anybody there. And I'm like, well, you know, when there's a will, there's a way. And five years later, these guys can still stand tall and say, hey, look, we did something in LA. Could and I'm proud of that. I'm proud that I was able to go there and do that for them and, and get that up to ground, up to speed. Oh, yeah. If it, I could do take on the turtles, it's many people's favorite take on the turtles. It's it, it really it, it, every once in a while I go look at. It, I can't. I mean, one thing I the one thing I still love is the title sequence. Um, the music and the title. I know people who have tried to thumb their nose at it, but it still to me is the most fun. Um, the the original title stuff and my artist who worked with that, who was also now a director, um, Kurt Van Warmer. Um, Kurt and I had such a blast doing that title thing. And um, I remember we were giving some, we were getting some help from uh, Sam's and practices because we had a scene with, with my um, uh, raps on a motorcycle okay. on the rooftop. And they were like, well, shouldn't he wear a helmet? Because Jesus Christ, he's a goddamn huge mutant ninja. <laughs> he's a mutant ninja giant turtle. Shell count, right? <laughs> Does he need a helmet? Now we, I, he said, look, let us get away with it here. We'll put him on the damn show. And so he had a helmet, though, in the, in the intro, right? Or no? He may have he may have the helmet on the show. Um, I just remember that it was one of the one of the few times where 
it was just the most, to me, idiotic things. These guys are jumping <laughs> off rooftops and now you're worried. They almost want right. to have helmets on the rooftops because no, they're ninjas. <laughs> this is what ninjas do. Sure. Now on a motorized vehicle, okay, I'll give you a helmet. But they're not going to do that when they're doing runs across the rooftops. That just don't do that. And Lloyd backed me and they finally backed off because they went, well, okay, you gave us a motorcycle helmet. But that's little things like that. I crack, crack up and go, people don't realize the stuff we have to go through. And this little minutia that you wouldn't even think about. And, um, but I'm grateful for that. Very, very grateful. I'm very proud of that series. Still am. I'm glad it still touched people like yourself. And oh, yeah. I'm glad to be able to talk about it. It may not have been my greatest time, but I did have fun putting it together. And, uh, and a lot of lessons I learned on there taken on the other shows. And I'm grateful that they still work. Awesome. So, Again, yeah. Chuck, thanks so much for talking to me. I appreciate it. Awesome. This is great. Thank you for asking me. I, I really appreciate it. <laughs>